Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So with me today on Bluebells Forever podcast is Gina Kasky Davis. And I have heard your name maybe six months or so because of Lauren Rain. So if people want to go back and listen to her, what a magical, wonderful human and teacher she is and how she teaches. Um, so I get to finally talk to you in person. So welcome, Gina. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Same thing. Um, I, I didn't think my life was interesting at all until I was <laughs> talking to Lauren who said, oh my God, oh my God, do you know Sherry? And I said, yeah, that, that name rings a bell. She said, well, she said she danced with you. Said, oh, well, we probably did. Uh, it's, it was 40 years ago. It was yeah. 40 something years ago. But anyway, thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, it, this is great. I'm glad that you do this. Oh, it is so much fun. Like every time I get to do it, I'm like, yeah, it's an interview day because, well, and doing this during COVID too, when we met, we were so isolated in the beginning. I felt like I, it looked like I just couldn't have my own community at the dance studio, except for like, whoever was still doing Zoom. So I just like tapping into this brought up so much more than I was prepared for of what we shared. And I want to start with, I, I never know where it's going to go. We talked before we um, actually record, but you talked about the dressing room situation, which now we worked together. I came in a year into the show, not a little bit less. I think it was 10, 10 months when that first contract change happened. I may have met you. I don't know. And it's never, it's not an offensive thing to say. I don't know if I met you because we lived in opposite parts of that giant theater. Yes. And I didn't realize because I was a tall nude and we were on that one like stage left entrance where the singers, the principals, and then there was the bathroom between us. And I very rarely went back there because I Cross didn't know anybody. <laughs> Cross the line into the blue belt. There were yeah. centuries. They wouldn't let us. <laughs> but like, I didn't realize this. Can you describe that dressing room? Like you guys had, I don't know why this is surprising to me. Cause of course you couldn't all, we couldn't all funnel out through that stage left side, but this right. is news to me. Like how did the bluebells get on stage? Yeah. So we were, we were upstage and a little slightly left of center. Um, where the dressing room entrance was it was it was next to um it was next to Jillian's office which at one point was uh Pierre was it Pierre Bernard Bernard I think Bernard yes yeah. and then Jillian um yeah I mean I I was in the office quite a bit because I, <laughs> so. I got called back once for doing a prank and I and that's how I know Jillian's office otherwise I would just look at it so you got called in there Oh yeah, what did you yeah. get called in for? Oh, I just the, you know the pranks, pranks or pranks. And as like, Jillian calls if, them shenanigans. Yes, and if I can see you doing it, then the audience can see you doing it. Oh, what kind of things so, did you do? Oh, we'd undress people on stage. <laughs> Sorry, the really loud laughs. Yeah. Well, How did you do that? What numbers could you get away with that? The tiller. If you put your right hand. Right, you could get that hook that was at the top. <gasps> yeah. It was like a low waist in the back. It was yeah. a hook and a zipper. So you got the hook, you could undo that, then you could pull the zipper down all while we're kicking. And then <laughs> it went up the middle of their back and went around their neck. You could let do that collar. Yeah. 
Did it ever come all the way? Did it drop where they ever go topless no. in Tiller? <laughs> no, it never, it never dropped, no. but it was hanging, flopping around. And yeah, I mean, it was not supporting and then definitely jump kicking. And Stop it. it was a loose Oh, cup. my God. Yes. Oh, I didn't know those we things were going kill. Do you remember playing Kill on stage? You wait, not Hill? In oh, not wait, Hill. wait. Yes, Kill. We called it Kill, and we actually played it most in Knob Hill. But you had to find someone and put your tongue in your cheek, and then they had to die, like a quick <laughs> die, and then they had to kill. So, so it's you're all watching each other kill each other while we're dancing, and yeah. So were you waiting till you're upstage, or you're just so good at performing you could do it? Well, the audience can't see that. Something that's that is I mean, so funny. Facing stage right, you can upstage with your mouth. You know, they're not going to see that. Right. Yeah. That's so funny with the audience that like to them, it's like, it's fresh and new to us each year, each show, like, oh, they're back, they're getting ready and they're excited and they're nervous. Like, no, you're talking and you can throw your costume on and you go out and do it. And then you go back and have conversations. But there was something, I think it was in Hello Hollywood, he was passing the makeup sponge where you couldn't show it and whoever had it at the end of the number was it. And so like, if you're passing, uh-huh. you could slip it. I think that was a thing. Yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody froze my bra off. For my last show they put in the freezer on for the uh, rose petals and so it was a padded bra underneath and it was they froze it i just took it off like i'm going out, out without it because it was too cold but i know there was like last show last night show pranks and stuff like that that in that big show it's amazing how much damage could happen but if you know what you're doing you can get away yeah. <laughs> how did jillian was, catch you it was little they were small things it was yeah. little things that we could enjoy and pass the time know nearly 11 years so it was by the time I finished I had actually swung every spot in the bluebells I swung nearly I can't tell you how many of the nude spots that were covered so you had four four covered dances so I did top hat and I did knob hill not uh the garden. What was the and Sunday afternoon? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with sherbets and the big hats. Yes, and the big hats. So I swung that. Um, I swung the singers, the girl singers. And then there was a couple of pony things that I swung as well. The, the little the little swimmers, the little girls. Oh, yeah. The by the sea. By the, yeah. oh, there's a, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you and did then, almost the full run, the oh, robot was, one. I love that robot one. I might have yeah. to post that again of how clever that was. Um, so you did um, like just six months shy of running, doing the whole contract run. Yes. I yes. think Liz Elliott's the only one I know. I, there's probably others that Michael Erdley might've done the full 11 years. Yeah. I think so what, full 11. Okay. There's some, cause that's what, okay. I want to talk about your perception of Reno and what you thought it was. But let's let's go back and like where you grew up and then because I just love when when people think of Reno, even now, like it's somewhere kind of by Vegas. Unless oh, they've journeyed there, nobody really knows why anyone would put a giant show in Reno. Exactly. So I grew up in a small town in England, um, went to a dance studio. Uh, my dance teacher was a principal with the Royal Ballet. So it was really nice. She opened a studio. She taught everything. She could actually tap as well. She was a very good tapper. 
So, and we had a bluebell in my hometown who was famous. Everybody knew her. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was, it was something that you looked up to. My girlfriend who was dancing in a very racist show at the time called the Black and White Minstrels, we were talking about earlier, who said to me, why aren't you dancing professionally? The, um, the only one out of all of us that grew tall enough, I was five foot 10, and they were like five foot two, five foot three. I mean, it, it really was odd watching me walk with all my friends. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went and, and auditioned. I was, I was too heavy. She told me to come back a week later. I went back a week later, 11 pounds lighter, signed a contract, moved four days later to Paris. And it was Paris that the big talk of what was, yes. Yeah, so I was in Paris at the Moulin Rouge. And that was where the big talk of the show that was happening in Reno was, everybody was talking about the show. Where is Reno? Oh, Reno is by Las Vegas. No, I never heard of Reno. And, you know, I told my parents and they said, oh, isn't that the place where everybody goes to get a divorce? <laughs> Reno, Reno was, if you look at those old black and white movies, there's, there's a black and white movie about Reno where all the women go to get their divorce. Really? Look at, it was, that's the history of Reno. It was the quick, a quick divorce place. So that was... <laughs> Okay, well, I don't know if that, if that's where I'm going. <laughs> that might be convenient one day. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I got here, walked down onto the tarmac. It was wide open, nothing. A corrugated iron roof of the um, airport, walked through the airport and, oh, I think my heart sunk. Like what? What did I, I do? Oh. Yeah. oh my gosh! And we all signed fifteen-month contracts because we signed a three-month um, rehearsal contract with a one-year contract following. So, but our rehearsals actually went four months because they were not ready. So, um, when we were ready to open, the dancers were ready to open, and the elevators kept going wrong, or they couldn't get this set in on time. The amount of times we were sitting ready to come up for bluebells and we're all waiting, standing. Okay, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And the elevator would stop. And then the elevator would go back down and they close everything back up above us. And then we'd all take our costumes off and just sit there holding them hours, hours for. And then finally, it, I mean, it would go up and you go, oh, we're, we're doing it. We're, Oh my so gosh, that was, was that scary? Because I, I've heard the, it was in the Calliope, oh gosh, it was um, Lin, Lindy and Miriam, I think were on the elephants Oh, I, and it didn't open. And if they had been strapped in where they normally were, they would have probably been crushed because the, the ways that we're hearing now of how our life was in the balance. But when you're seeing it not work, that seems a little scary to go, well, maybe the floor's open above, maybe they don't. Uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> or you get stuck halfway. You're looking up and, and that's not opening. That's, yeah, that's kind of scary. Oh my gosh. I want to go backwards because I want to talk about like you, how you even found out about the audition and like how, where your family was because I just love that part of how you like don't even know you're going to go do this job and how fast, like, we'll go to Paris first and we'll come back to Reno because that's important too. So um, yeah, we found out that there was this big show 
uh, there was a girl that had just come from the Lido. So Lido was the famous place where the bluebells were. That was me growing up. Everybody knew about the Lido. Everybody knew about the bluebell girls and everybody knew about the Moulin Rouge. And they were two totally different things. But I guess at one time, Bluebell actually ran the Moulin Rouge as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, I think she, yeah. I don't know when that split where Miss Doris, if she was the first one to take it over. But I heard yeah. that too. Like she was yeah. either providing dancers for both. So there was not that same, which right. now I think there's also not competition. There's like a lot of um, good good things between dancers going back and forth. But right. I, so, okay, let's, how did you even end up at the Moulin Rouge? Because you you were told you're tall enough. Like what made you decide like, I'm going to pursue this. Um, my girlfriend. So my girlfriend said, you're the only one tall enough. Why don't you audition? I auditioned. And yeah, I mean, that I just went. It was within 10 days of me going for my first audition that I was suddenly sitting in Paris in, in a hotel room that was the size of a car with a dip in the bed. <laughs> what the Glamorous heck? life. Yes. <sighs> Yeah, I got, so I went, couldn't speak French very well. Went, I remember I went downstairs, downstairs at like 6 a.m. and talked to the concierge. He had a, a poster of the Moulin Rouge. And I said, dancer, and I pointed to the Moulin Rouge, me, dancer. <laughs> and then I pointed to the keys that were on all the keys for the hotel room. I remember those I days. Said, other dancers and I and he said are we and he pointed to the room which was next to mine so I went oh okay so I march up the stairs five flights up you know knock on the door hi you don't know who I am but I'm next door and I have to be at the Moulin Rouge today at 11 30 and I was told that you guys are dancing in the show they said it's 6 a.m. <laughs> in five hours <laughs> welcome oh so, my yeah. gosh were and you then, nervous or did you know what oh you were my in God, for? I was petrified I was 18 I was green I was a virgin I was no idea what I was doing I remember trying costumes on and tried try the g-string on backwards because <laughs> you know the fat part <laughs> went in the back and the thin part went like <laughs> Just, a diaper this is not working very, very well they, they laughed and said you got it on wrong and yeah so you yeah. said you you auditioned and your parents were not even home oh my parents were in sweden at the time when i auditioned they came home on the sunday and i left on the monday they came home and i said of course there was no cell phones so right. there was no talking to each other they were gone for nearly two weeks and when they got home, I left the next day to go to Paris. And that wasn't even on your radar, right? You weren't even, oh, they were no. like, okay, she's eventually going to go do this thing. It was just like, surprise. Well, so I always wanted to be a professional dancer. At 11 years old, my school counselor said, what would you like to be? And I said, I, I want to be a professional dancer. And then I want to own my own dance studio. And okay, well, what have you got for a backup? Because if you get hurt, you can't do that. And I said, I don't have anything for a backup. And she said, well, I'm going to sign you up for secretarial courses. Mm -hmm. So I took short time commerce and typing. And lo and behold, the opening night of a show I was in, in my hometown, 
because it was a, um, a seaside resort. So they had shows for three months in the summer. We did the can-can. I ripped a muscle off my bone. I couldn't oh. walk. I was out of dance, totally out. Oh. So um, it took me three months before I could walk again. They, it slowly healed. And <clears throat> I saw the dance teacher that, you know, and I said, this is what the doctor said. She said, I don't believe him. Get a second opinion. I got a second opinion. She didn't believe him. Get a third opinion. And I was, I mean, I was under contract. At 16 years old, I was under contract, you know, for a show. So they finally, she finally released me. And it was, it was an ugly release. So I left the dance studio. That was my dance teacher plus my employer, you know, oh. so, and went to a different dance studio. And of course, my first job, real job, was doing a can-can. I was going to ask me did that. I've been showing videos of that because I'm doing a can-can in my show coming up. And I said, this is why most of us have hip replacements and how crazy uh, athletic that can-can. I, the, Mulan, the Mulan and the Lido, they have a different way they kick. But I don't yeah. know, like I have only seen the can-can at the current Lido, but the, the Mulan is just like, oh, if you I haven't mean, torn just, something by the end. Splits in the air, you go jump, split in the air, and you land in the split. It's like you're smashing your body <laughs> to the ground. Yeah, how much more damage oh. can we do? But yes. Did and your I, ha- was it? Did you tear the hamstring off the off the attachment when you did that first injury? Is that what yeah. it, you said? You pulled it off the yeah. bone. How did yeah. you? How did your body do in the Mulan oh, can can? Did, did it, that just seems like that'd be asking for trouble? Was, I I think for for the whole year I was there, I was in pain. Oh. And if we had a rehearsal, so I could make it. 24 hours it was okay to re- to let it go 24 hours and then I, if I got a good warm-up I could do the can-can but if we did a rehearsal the rehearsal was at like 11 a.m and I could do but then by that night my body was hurting like that that place that I pulled the muscle off the bone so yeah it was it was mm. painful I was 19 you know yeah was that for me dub yes okay oh I think it was, it was for, for me. It was that I, I'm learning more Mulan history because I um, interviewed Billy Goodson who choreographed both of those. So I have okay. a new appreciation for the Mulan just because so much crossover with Bluebells yeah. doing both shows and and seeing the show twice. But I, I, I'm happy that it's still there. So was there there's there's that was there a friendship between the dancers of the Lido and the, the Mulan or the dancers? Yes, there was definitely friendship not the theater, but not the yes. So we had the. One of the Bluebell captains actually left. She had a big argument with the Lido and not with Bluebell, but she had a big argument with something. She came to the Moulin Rouge. Then we heard about the show in, in, in Reno and she said, oh, you'd be a shoo-in. You look like a Bluebell girl. And I said, oh, okay. So she said, I'll get you to meet Bluebell and Don Arden. She took me to Bluebell's apartment gorgeous apartment and um, I met Don Arden and he said well pull your dress up let me see your legs I showed him my legs he said you're hired I went to the piano signed a contract and left two months later (laughs) there's so much in that story first like that would be sexual harassment now show me your legs but also being Don Arden but but the fact that you already were at the Mulan that's where I think it was so great like once you were a bluebell or one of those I never auditioned for anything because they just figure if you got in there, why would you, we don't have to show us your kicks or turns or right. style. 
Yeah. And they did it right, right there on the spot. Yeah. No, and then was- the thing of Reno, because we, I lived, I live in Seattle now, but I grew up in this area. So it's a 24 hour drive. I knew of Las Vegas because of like the show Vegas and probably a few other movies, no idea what Reno. And I lived in this country. And so the fact that Paris is talking about Reno, this podunk oh. out in the middle of nowhere, it just cracks me up that there's like, there's this, they knew the show was coming. It hadn't, cause you were part of the original. So it hadn't even happened. So there was right. buzz around the fact that this big show's coming. Right. No, they were still building the hotel at this time. Oh, but people but knew about hotel, this coming. Yeah. And, and then there was this, because when we first got here, we walked through rubble. You I heard know? you had hard hats or something. You had to wear yeah. hard hats to go through the... Yeah. No, and we went all the way, the whole, there was just cleared a path of rubble so that you walked this, yeah. And then you walked into the room and of course there was no seats. There was no lights. There was no drops. There was no curtains. There was no sets. It was this massive. It just, it was so massive beyond anything that you could imagine. And we all just kind of stood at the entranceway with our mouths open and going, wow, what, what is this that we're going to be doing? And so things were, I mean, we rehearsed downstairs in the cafeteria mm-hmm. and then <laughs> other people rehearsed on stage and then other people rehearsed some in different parts of the building because I mean, it was only the stage and you couldn't have more than one rehearsal going on, but there was, there was bluebells and tall nudes and ponies and singers and principals and everybody was, it was dancing for 12 hours a day at one point. Wow. Yeah. You said something about going, cause we say going, you know, those of us who take dance, that's going across the floor. Sometimes most of the time is diagonal. And so can you talk about that? Because oh, I did gosh. go on that stage recently and realize like this Oh my gosh, this is a long way. <laughs> yes. So upstage, stage left, which was where the tall news dressing room door was and, and the principals and the boys, to all the way over stage right, past where the, where the stage finished, because yeah. the stage had its, what is that? They didn't have the wings or anything yet, the passerelle? Yeah, yes. And then you went all the way far to the stage right, which was going to be loading area that's where all the sets were going to be but we didn't have any sets it was just a flat stage so yeah I mean we went it we step kicked I it must have taken me two or three minutes to go from one side of the stage to the other and they were just I mean it was kind of like auditioning us for the first few days so we did things going across the floor so that they could kind of see who they had because they so many and then then they were then they put girls into groups in the tall nudes by the size of their boobs they really? brought the curtain down at one point and all the tall nudes went behind the curtain and took their tops off and got moved around it was like oh i mean yeah cattle call a, a real cattle call move places and then and then of course the the captains have been watching everybody. So they knew who they wanted in different groups, you know? So you had your group A, group B, group C, and group D with both the nudes. And yeah, I mean, that was how we were put into our groups. That's so interesting because I came as a replacement. And so I auditioned a big cattle call in Vegas and only three of us were brought up. 
But now I'm wondering like, okay, we need replacement in beef. Who matches boobs and height and look to go? We, we lost one in group B. We have to replace one in group B. This is so fascinating. All the things I keep learning by interviews. Like I wasn't there for the origination of the show. So even hearing little things like group D and in, in the, um, Tall News were the freaks. And Don Arden said, like, oh, you're the freaks because everybody else was in Tiller. And so just like, right. is one better than the other? Like if I'm a B, does that, it, it, I just wonder what was going on in Dancer's Mind that you've already had to survive what? a cattle call it, and you still have to keep auditioning. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, and then you're, you're basically auditioning all the way through the whole rehearsal process because you're auditioning for spots, you know? And in the Bluebells, A and B was the front and C and D with the back. And so, and then A did pink sleeves, B did smoke, and C and D did dancing in the dark. And so, oh. yeah, I mean, so then as, so I only got a spot for two weeks. The show didn't open on time. Things were not ready. Elevators were going on and off, not going at the right time. They couldn't get sets. The amount of things that they threw away that they just couldn't do, they couldn't get it in. Really? Yes. They had this massive mirror that was, I think, behind the grand staircase for heat wave. It was huge. It was nearly the whole stage. And it was on an angle so that you could see what was going on from the top down. But they oh. could never get it. It never worked. So can you imagine how much that cost? Oh, that- my God. And that doesn't get used. That's how you think of the budget of that show. What's well, interesting for people who haven't seen the show to know that they had an airplane on the stage. So if there's something that can't fit on the stage, it's bigger than an airplane. That's a perspective. And also step touch across the stage. That's, like, that's the size of a football field. So any dancers listening, imagine doing step touch, step touch or step kick all kicks all the way across the floor on a football field and they can't fit a set on there. That's like the Don Arden's brain. It, it fit. They just couldn't couldn't get get it in time. And they tried and tried and tried and they just, they had so many stage techs working to get that thing in because it was a vision, obviously, you know, and then, then it didn't happen. Did anybody, I think I heard people got hired. Like I know Liz Larkin got hired. It was cast. She found out about it late. And so Don Arn was kind of watching her and like auditioning her. And then she got a spot. So I don't know if he added spots or, do you know if anybody got fired that got all the way there and then just didn't pan out for the rehearsals of, I'm sure the stress of it probably might've, or people were revealed as different kind of dancers than what they needed and how heartbreaking that would be to be sent home after all that work. as far as I remember, I do not remember anyone getting fired, but he did do rampages. He would do, he would scream from the back of the theater with a microphone. Get you. Very rude. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some of the awful. Stage. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so In what was fact, that like? Did you know any? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, you're going to interview Kia. And I remember, was it Kia? He said, you look like a dime store queen. Get off my stage. And I was like, how is she still like living? How how do you stand after an entire room has just looked at you and and he's yelling? There was was a time they were setting um, 
there was setting grand staircase which was this massive beautiful costumes so many mm. pink and white costumes it was just oh it was like a fashion show of feathers and these stunning beautiful girls just walking all of walking down three flights of stairs with I was in that piece that's terrifying the first time 50 pound headpiece yes petrifying um but at one point they they were all down on the lower platform and there was four girls and he said Diane move to the right all four girls move to the right he goes are you all effing crazy he goes what's your name and she said Diane and he goes well what's your name and she said Diane and he said well, what's your name? There happened to be for Diane. <laughs> so they all, and what was going to be awful with him, because you could hear it, oh. and he was in one of those moods, turned into, it, it laughed off. And so everybody, oh. okay, but yeah. Oh my God. I think it's like, just wait. I mean, that's an awful thing to be shamed, but in that massive a thing. And also when this is your job and you've gone to a different country, to do this, like what people would put up with that you would probably walk out of other jobs for oh, and yeah. just be singled out. Like that's just like, that's the thing that our nightmares are of being exposed or having people all looking at you as someone's ridiculing you and how we want, must've wanted that job so bad to put up with things that now wouldn't, we probably would oh. say, how the heck? And I think he was forgiven a lot because he was a genius. And so you somehow give them more grace than you would somebody else. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew of his reputation. So, you know, going into this, that you're working with this man who just stay away, just mind your P's and Q's, do everything as correct and don't be on his radar. Just stay off, be blend. Yes. Wow. But yeah. Did you know anybody coming into the show? Like, did you fly all over by yourself or what, did you know other people that like, once you get there, find your, be your friends? And they well, Miriam. I flew oh. with Miriam and Miriam was at the Moulin Rouge with me. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Don't know if she'd already left. A, a, a lady named Sandra Chalk, who was also at the Moulin Rouge. And yeah, I know there was two other girls, but that's, that's who I flew over with. So there was five of us. We came maybe a day later. Because people were coming in at different yeah. times. Then we all lived at Amesbury Place Apartments. I keep hearing stories about this place. Yes. So <laughs> everything was put up there. And you were automatically paying rent out of your paycheck immediately. Oh, really? Yeah. So for the people, I'm sure for the Americans and for the people who, who knew where they were going, they came early enough to get themselves set up. But for us coming from all different parts of the world, we were... They just, they rented this whole entire apartment complex and housed us there. We had to, you choose a roommate and I, we chose, you know, everybody did. And then you were in a two bedroom apartment that was rented furniture. And for the first, I mean, for the first six weeks, they didn't take anything out because we were on half pay. Okay. And then after that, after six weeks, we were on full pay and they started just taking out money from your first six weeks and I think my first full check was like four or five months after I've been there I didn't realize that because I know when I went there I think they put because I came in as a replacement they put us up in the hotel I don't know maybe it was only a couple days and then you're like 
you're trying to rehearse and find a place to live. Yes. I'm it's sure. a lot. It's a lot when you don't, especially coming from another country and like, right. you got to set up, like set up your bank and your phone and like all these things that a, a person in their 18, 19 year olds, like this, that's a lot. And you're, Oh, wow. I was forgetting yeah. about that whole transition thing of just moving to a new place is a lot. And you're working 12 hour days. Doesn't give right. you a lot of time to figure out like what, the, what is the rest of my life. Okay. They did. They, they, they got all our info. It was, it, they really took care of us in the beginning because set us up with phones and power and apartments and bedding oh they did okay yeah so did you get to see any of Reno because like you see getting off the plane and then you're in 12 hour rehearsals when was it you got to go where where have I just been transplanted like what is this place um I we slowly by the time we were into it like maybe 10 weeks rehearsals have gone down to like seven eight hours a day only seven or eight only hours a day, you know? anyone else tried dancing seven hours a day yeah but I mean the, then there's a lot of sit down time and there's a yeah. lot of around time waiting and then you're on and it, and if the music keeps going you're going to then dance but if the music stops then you're not going to dance and so you're trying to stay warm because you've sat now for two hours and, and are we going to be doing it this time? So it's like a quick stretch. So bad for your body, but another quick stretch, just in case we're going to go, Oh, we're going. Okay. We're, we're doing it. But yes. Oh my gosh, I have a question about that because Don Arden, I can see him thinking, did you have to be quiet? Cause that's that auditorium is ginormous. The audience, did you guys have to be quiet that whole time? Or could you kind of oh. get to know each other? You had to be quiet while he's working. Well, yeah, I can't imagine getting yelled at for talking or having fun and laughing. Like just that whole thing of waiting to go and then having to be quiet sounds awful. I, no, I no, I know we talked. I mean, many times we were loaded on the downstairs elevator, so it would have the first. You only see one set of stairs from the front, but from the back, there's two sets of stairs because you have to come up and over. Um, so the elevator was already not even at the bottom level. It was already up one level and there's five floors. So, but the bottom steps were down at the bottom. So you're already stepping onto something that has a massive hole underneath it. And the step was only like a foot from the edge. We're, you're on the bottom step. You're, you're 20, 30 feet from the hole in the oh pit, you know? <laughs> And, and just sitting in a costume, waiting, hoping that the elevator will open and that you will keep going and you'll go up into your first piece. And the, the, you could hear the elevator get stuck the first, so that it dropped in three different places and then it slid, another part slid, and then another part slid, and then a part came up, which had a stage on it. It just, I mean, when you watch that, did you ever go into the fly rail and watch them open yeah. those up? It, it was just. When like I went back and got to see and interviewed Lou Allard, who worked in the button booth and just yes. the responsibility, if that person's not paying attention. Oh my gosh. It's just like so crucial of every, everything. Everything depends on something else. If someone misses a cue. So when I've seen it from that perspective, like, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't know a lot of this at the time. <laughs> oh. How everything, uh, yeah, how high up something goes wrong or an elevator doesn't open. Because I just got, you know, when you get in, I didn't have the whole thing of watching it. 
you just learn your choreography and do it. You, I didn't right. know till later, like what's underneath. <laughs> like yes. you go down the low, even when you go down a load in the bottom part, you're just running usually to get on there. You oh, don't have time absolutely. to go. How does you're this always, work? Yes. No. And so I, and I think we were all so naive as dancers. We just did what we were told to do. Yeah. You're standing over a very large, and then you're going up another five flights on something with no safety rail around it. Yeah. You just, just standing on an elevator with a 50 foot drop around you on either side. You're all going straight. Yes. It's damn. It's I look pretty. <laughs> wow. So what was it like when you finally got to open? Cause it was delayed and delayed. So I wonder, does that, when you finally get there, it's either like you're past being excited or you're just so excited. Cause you finally, finally get to do this. Finally had an audience. Oh, look, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> it was absolutely mind-boggling I'm sorry no I'm crying with you because I didn't experience that in that show I've done other shows where it was a creation but not that and that's I almost everybody when they talk about the closing and the opening it makes it, it was, brings up this I oh, can't believe oh. yeah could you could you be present because also because you guys knew that show backwards and forwards like when you're put in you just barely know what you're doing but you guys right. rehearse and rehearse and rehearse oh, and rehearse yeah. we were so it felt old the show felt yeah. open by the time we opened. We, we had rehearsed it from top to bottom so many times, you know, and just going and going and going. And then, yeah. Was Final. it full? I'm assuming full house. There must have been a lot of publicity because Reno's good. never seen anything like this. No, no. Um, so people waiting to get in to see the show. Yeah. Wow. And they wore their nice checkered <sighs> shirts with their new <laughs> like, I came from Paris with tuxedos and, and gowns. I'm still laughing. To, yeah. I don't think yeah. I remember people dressing up in Reno for the show. Yeah, so that was not a... Because you said, like, you saw trucks with guns in them. and Oh, it, you're driving around <laughs> and you go, where, where am I? Uh, it says yeah, America. So I'm, I'm in America. <laughs> I guess so. And then I remember thinking within the first week, oh my gosh, 15 months is not going to go by quick enough. I've got to get out of this place. This is, I'm in a hellhole. Here I am in Carson City, 30 miles from Reno, nearly 45 years later. <laughs> and I'm still here. You know? Do you have so, a truck with guns? Have, you, have they converted no, you I, to checkered I shirts and guns? <laughs> I don't have a truck with guns. Never had don't guns. But the Reno, it sounds like the Reno community embraced this. I mean, I know that at the Hello Hollywood, hello, that I think the mayor had a Hello Hollywood, hello day. Yeah. But I don't know if you have enough audience. It has to be tourists too, because Reno's not that big to fill up 3,000 seats per show. Like who, who the excitement must have been like, good. I've heard people, people come from. Yeah, that's why I'm so curious. Because I mean, people yes. come from other places, but not most people go to Vegas if you want to gamble. But Reno started to be more of a affordable, like if you don't want to do the Vegas craziness of that you can come to reno and still gamble and see shows but not be and go to tahoe if you want a that's, little bit that's that was the pull for reno was tahoe so yeah. this stunning gorgeous lake these beautiful mountains snow covered and then you've got your city and you've got your big show so you've got this best of both worlds you know when how did you end up staying that long did you um kind of just find that as home or did you well i discovered tahoe and as okay. soon as I discovered Tahoe, we went, oh, 
this is like the most beautiful place in the world. Um, and I can dance that job and come here all the time. Then we found San Francisco. And then and then we ex started exploring, you know, on your on your days off and started yeah. going to different places. And yeah, so then I got um, then I married a stagehand. You did. There's so many yeah. of those stories I'm finding yeah. out. I married a stagehand and had three children while I was in the show. Um, I, so I was one of the first ones to get pregnant. Oh so my they gosh. Started, so they started building costumes for the pregnant girls because there were so many. I mean, it was such a, at one, I mean, it wasn't, but then it started becoming many, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you danced as long as you could dance until you couldn't, until you couldn't cover yeah. your belly anymore. And then you got further back in the line and further out and then they take you out of the bikini numbers because that was really showing. And then you slowly, <laughs> okay, you're, you're only dancing four dances. You, you got to go. I and heard then, something that, that I don't know if this is how you experienced it, but they want to keep you also, you get your insurance longer. So instead of firing you right away, they, there's some kind of graciousness in letting you stay in there longer. You have oh, yeah. an income and insurance and then moving you to the back. So you're not just kicked out for being pregnant. You can get a few more months in there, which helps financially. It helps oh, for some absolutely. kind of security of coming back into the show yeah. if you want to. Yeah. So my first one, I came back in three months after I'd had the baby. And yeah, I mean, that was an effort. And then with my second one, I came back in six weeks after I'd had her. Because I just, now I've got two children. I have to feed, you yeah. know, and I'm married, but yeah, I got to get back to that show quicker because you're on, you're on pay, but you're on like 75% pay or something. Which they, was had, still, they had maternity pay? I didn't know. Oh, wow. we had maternity pay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Full, full insurance and maternity pay. But your maternity pay, I, by the time I had number two was only up to six weeks. So okay. with my first one, it was three months and then it was six weeks. And then when I got pregnant a third time, I remember going into Jillian's office and I said, Jillian, I, I have to tell you something. And she said, oh, my God, you're not pregnant again, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so with that one, I actually danced till I was 24 weeks pregnant. Yeah. Really? But yes, I was. I. I guess I figured out a way to cover up. Were um, you swinging all the, at this time too? I, I swung the whole time. So I only, could that I make it where you could stay longer? You could swing things that you could kind of yes, not be as exposed. Yeah. That's pretty smart. I could swing the, the singers and I could swing. So I could swing anything covered. So there was a little bit of grace there trying to cover. And, you know, you're in great shape and you're a dancer and it just doesn't go out as much as it does when you're not dancing. Right. Were you one of those people taking classes? I remember that one of my favorite things was being able to take class in between shows because the stage was so big. You could have four dance classes and they yeah. didn't disturb each other. So yeah. some people I think never took class again once they got hired. And there were some of us that were just like, there was so much talent, even in the cast oh. of people that were teaching and, we just, and the studios we, were, Oh, and I was like, yeah, there were yeah. so many studios of teachers for people in the show. Or like, I remember Debbie Reynolds show, was in town and those those boy male dancers were teaching class and it was just there was such 
opportunity if you wanted to keep dancing, which right. I think in hearing that you opened your own dance studio, right? I don't think you didn't just Ballet. leave all that just to, was, you do Maggie Banks? Banks. And, and because I was a tapper, I found my tap community, my little, you know, there's like six or seven of us and we would give each other tap classes. So, and that, that was when I learned a more American tap because English tap was very um, closer to Irish. So a lot more hoppy and maybe more of a Broadway style rather than a hoofer. So then I started learning this flat taps, the, you know, Oxfords, and I'd never had flat taps in my life and finding different rhythms that you could do. And it was just fascinating to me because it was such a different style than anything. So then, then I started teaching at different studios, dance studios. While you were in the show? While I was in the show, because people were opening dance studios. Dancers were opening dance studios. They're like, hey, you know. And so, yes, it was, and, and the community of dancers, it's, and it's still there. We've got this. People come to workshops, come to the area, and they say, "There's such a high level of dance here. The the talent. How is it possible in this? It's nowhere. We're in the middle of nowhere. You know how? <laughs> it's not a, a big city. And yeah. So I think with all the different dancers opening studios. So yeah, I went and started teaching for different people and then um, and then was asked if I wanted to open my own place. So when I was listening to Lauren's podcast, I'm going to jump all over the place right now. I'm sure you can't keep up with me. Oh no, that's how we do. <laughs> she, was talking, she was talking about a dance studio named Pinkerton and she said, I think Gina took over it. I never took over that. I actually went and danced with them. So they had Pinkerton and that was more of a ballet studio and I did tap and jazz and we shared students and it was, it was awkward. So we kind of, um, you know, if this, if a student took five classes and they took three from Pinkerton and two from me, we would split the cost and three, three fifths would go to Pinkerton and two fifths would come to me. So we would divvy out and then eventually I just, you know, I, a ballet teacher had come in and said, I just think we could do this on our own. And I think we could be more successful. Would you be willing to go? And I said, Ooh, they gave me a place, you know, uh, this is, this is, this is tough. But I went and we opened our own place and that was um, 24 years ago. And but I'd been teaching already. Oh, I don't know how long I've been teaching at that point. 15 years in different studios. So then, and, and my own, you know, yes. which was, and then, yes, then I opened my own place with this, with the ballet guy who danced with Gelsey Kirkland. So yeah, I mean, it was Ooh. fabulous. We got great training from the guy. And then he brought in a ballet teacher and she was, she had been the principal ballerina with the Stuttgart Ballet. And she's still teaching in Reno. She's a beautiful dancer. And that just, wow, the level of training just went up. And she is well known in this area. 
She's got stunning, stunning dances, but they're all ballet. She does only ballet. So, but that was, she, she taught for me up until three years ago. And I now have one of my former students who then moved to Sacramento Ballet, who's just moved back. And now he's, and he's teaching for Rosine and he teaches for me. So, but yes, Laura, I never took over Pinkerton. They kept their own place and then they eventually closed. And um, yeah. Were you, were you overlapping being a mother doing a show and teaching? Yes. Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> some people yes. just did the show and that was all the energy. And then to go off and explore Tahoe. Because for me, that was it. Like when I found Tahoe also made me be able to finish a year in Reno because that was my, I can get away. Because I'm so much about nature. And I think a lot of people, when they found that, because you're not in Paris with all the wonderful things to do in Paris, you have to find a new way to find your other ways to feed yourself. Because if you just do the show, there's this oh. kind of, you feel pretty empty. So you were teaching, raising children and, and also the childcare. I've talked to a few people that like, those are not normal hours. But Reno kind of had it set up because like people, you don't get up till two in the morning to pick up right. your sleeping child. So you have to get up in the morning when they have school. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I found, I found this lady in the paper, God bless her, who worked for the state. And she was actually babysitting her granddaughter, who was the same age as my daughter. And so she, so my little girl, I mean, they were like days apart. And so she babysat those two. And then she said, you know, if there's, I would be interested in taking another one or two babies, if there's any that you know. So I, she eventually, I think, had like eight or nine of the babies from the show. And God bless her. And we all show up at, at two o'clock, 2.30 in the morning and trapes the babies out, put them in the car seat while all the car seats were lined up. You put your sleep <laughs> in the car seat, then you move the car seat very carefully into the car. Oh, please, yeah, please don't wake up. <laughs> yes, and then and then you get them home and you put them in the crib and hopefully you can get four hours sleep before you get up or three hours sleep. Oh my gosh. There's something of knowing there's other moms though, because I think that would be really hard to be the only yeah. one doing that life and not being able to do the things that other people do socially. So you may not feel as much part of the cast. But I heard from a couple of dressers. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get it wrong, so I'm not gonna say it. Loretta Kipler and Loretta, yeah, yeah, like how? Oh, I'm not. My brain's not working right now. But how they bonded with their kids. So they did birthday parties together, and they they had that in common. And I think that when you're going into the mom phase, it could be lonely in that kind of environment, or you just get right. kind of pushed pushed to the side a lot of times with that with dance and like come back when you're. But to have that support and other people that understand how tired you are and to share what it's like to do both these things at the same time, because those don't go together. Most people's brains that you're going to be doing this super glamorous late night thing and raise children and get them off to school. And if you have to do PTA, that just like, work. yes, yes. Yeah. And we had, we had many people go to school while they were, people getting their college degree. Yeah. yeah. Linda Norvig getting her law, getting her law degree. <laughs> right. like, you have the time to study in between and, and then the day, but it's, it's really commendable at people that actually like took advantage of that kind of a paycheck, that kind of a schedule. And yes, you have a life outside of the show. Yeah. So what was it that, that you didn't f- close the show? 
So my last baby, I, I, you know, I went in and I told Jillian, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant again. And it just so happened to be, we heard that the show was closing. We didn't know when. And I think it closed like six months after I finished dancing. And I just decided, okay, if I'm going to do this, if I want to open my own dance studio, I, I, I got to go in and, and try it. So instead of going back to that steady paycheck, I threw it all into teaching. And you did it on your own, your own studio by yourself? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Did you go back for the closing show or did you stay connected those oh, six months? Yeah. That, that last, oh yeah, we cried. The, I sat at a table with all bluebells, you know, people, there's so many people in the audience that were dancers in the show. You know, I would have come back had I known. I would have loved to have been there and sad to be there. Yeah. To just see it, to see this thing, you know, oh. they have to come to an end, but oh my gosh. I heard the things that people said that really touched me was taking your stuff off your mirror and putting your makeup away. Cause you oh. do that to leave, to go to another show. Like I packed up mine. I was really sad, yes. but everybody was still there. So, you know, like my space is going to be filled. This show's going to keep going. But the thought of, I don't know why that just hits me so profoundly of everybody taking off their makeup yeah. thing, clearing their space, yeah, taking that last walk across that giant stage oh. to get to your car. It's just somehow it's just, sad. it's really sad. And I, you know, yeah. I know that if the show was still running, it would be kind of pathetic, you know, if that show was like going that long, but it has to end, but it's just, there's something of a- ending together that I heard was really yes. beautiful to have the cast together, but people in the audience that understood of what it was like on the, on that stage. What, yeah, it was just a different kind of a connection all the way to the end of that. Cause I just heard the family thing of what I heard of Reno is very unique than, than like other shows people did. There was something that Reno felt Debbie DeCudro, who was the vedette in Moulin Rouge for years still talks about Reno as I felt family. I felt grounded. I felt home more than I did in any other place I worked. And, and I think with it being so podunk, you know, we, we would all go to the lake together and we would all go and, explore things together there was nothing to explore so <laughs> you had to go out and there was you know so yes it was it was very much a family and I remember that we would say okay something day at pyramid and suddenly it was hundreds of people would be there you know someone would find an area and then we and it was massive barbecue and yeah, a couple of hundred people there, all from the show, whether they were stage techs or whether they were waiters or dancers or performers. Yeah. And it was, it was um, during rehearsals. It was, there was basically a birthday nearly every other day. Someone's <laughs> birthday, it was, so there were the parties that were the birthday parties. Yeah. Yeah. I remember backstage, like the one thing that just blows me away that, that people smoked backstage. Like I see pictures of cigarettes and hands and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's feathers and how stinky and like how dangerous, but people having blunders and making like margaritas and like we'd have oh, potlucks and like the oh, backstage food and all, all around these expensive costumes. But there was always a birthday was always something to, to celebrate. Yes. Well, uh, we got, there was a lot of, we played games. So our group played Pictionary. 
and you all brought your next costume in, into whatever row that it was going to be on, you know, and, and you're drawing and you're, and you're dressing while you're guessing. <laughs> and, then, and you can hear that music and you're pushing it. I need to go now. I got to go now. And you're still playing and you're still playing. And then everyone's running at the last minute to, yeah. And I'm then writing you, that down. You're dressing while you're guessing. Because I think that might be the time. <laughs> oh my god yeah the whole thing is like you're you're the show is so much fun but it also interrupts the games and it inter interrupts the good conversations that you can hardly wait to get back to right right and it was I mean and then what to me even though you've done this night after night year after year after year that audience is still paying they've not seen yeah. the show after night and it would irk me when new people would come in and they wouldn't perform and it's like <gasps> How, how hard is it to put a smile on your face and bring joy to those people? They bought a ticket. Yeah. They came to be entertained. Entertain, you know? And yeah. I saw the show maybe four years after I left. I was doing a show in Reno with another producer and went and saw the show. And it was interesting because I had, was up close. And I would say there's about a quarter of the people that were not performing. And I was horrified. And then I would look at people that were giving everything and I'm like, cause I just was really paying way more attention to stage presence after doing that Hi. show, because seeing people like Leslie Banny and Liz Elliott and these people that I looked up to that I thought this is a privilege to perform. Like, why would you turn it off and, and not be, but I was kind of astounded that people were looking bored on stage. I'm like, do you know yeah. that people would love to have this job? Yes. But I don't, I don't know if they, you know, like if you, if they got hounded on that, like, come well, on, you're going to pay. Okay, yeah. good. Cause that was kind of like, come somebody needs to be like, Right. People, people the audience, this is their first time seeing this. If a dancer right. looks bored, I'm sorry, this dress is only $10,000. I'm bored. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You take it for granted. You really, yeah. you, you know, you've got custom made shoes and you've got custom made costumes. We had, when we first went into the show, they were made for us. So they were fitted exactly to our bodies. I remember being in Paris and I took three pages of measurements. It was like top of earlobe to top of earlobe, bottom of earlobe over the top of the head to bottom of earlobe, bottom of earlobe around the back of your head to the bottom of earlobe, kneecap down to the ankle bone, ankle bone down to the bottom of your foot. I mean, it was like we measure, I measured every part of my body. I had no idea that. And then and then we got there and there was these designer gowns that were just like, and our Knob Hill costume. So they, they had plastic on the bottom to keep and it. Drag them in the dirt. Yes. Um, and so that made this 12 foot train or six foot train so heavy because now you're not only holding your skirt, full velvet skirt with lots of jewels and lining and I mean just the fabric itself was so heavy and then it was covered on the whole bottom with plastic and you had to keep your arm at the side and not let it drop and oh my god I look at pictures of our arms because I've been teaching fan numbers and I made fans with just like the ping pong, the paddle thing there yes. with just a few there, but they're super light and I have a pair that's a little heavy and they have such a hard time. I go, whatever you're practicing with now, triple that. Yes. And I go, that's why our deltoids look so good. Our butt looks so good from running up and down stairs. Yes. Our arms from yes. holding out those big costumes. Yes. Like, why would you it go to a gym? 
It wasn't the dancing. It was yeah. the costumes that put us in shape and the running up and down the stairs. Yeah. Oh and gosh. then to load downstairs for a number and the and still sometimes they, those elevators didn't go. Then you run back up five flights of stairs and find a way to get on stage. So, yeah, that's <laughs> I just remember when I stopped dancing, I had to go to the gym and I'm like, I'm doing a Stairmaster for an hour, which would be like just opening act. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, that would have been taken care of just by going to work. Yeah. So did Reno, it obviously must have started to feel more like home, being married and having kids. Did you kind of just, when you left the show, did you keep that connection to the show or kind of now you have your studio? That's probably a lot of where your heart and attention and energy is going. Right. So... At the time, I had then moved to, I'd moved to Carson City. I moved to Carson City um, when, I, when I had a baby, the third baby. So then I moved to Carson City. So my studio was in Carson City. So then I was doing the commute to see friends and three babies at the time and a dance studio. I, I mean, I was... Yeah. I, so busy that I didn't get to see all my friends and then a lot of them left but we've still got quite a few people there that and and I'm they, really surprised of how many that, stayed yeah there's a there's a big group that get together all the time then they'll throw an invitation out to me and say hey if you if you're not doing anything on this day they actually know the date and I can either say yes I'm, I'm not doing anything but I'm usually doing something so it's usually something to do with a dance studio that yeah a, I have a studio too it's a there's it's yeah. a lot of work it kind of yeah. and you, you to divide your attention is you can't really give what you can it's so right. fun you know her Liz um, Liz Larkin's interview that she talked about the British girls complaining about the biscuits in America and about Reno like they just it wasn't up to what they wanted and so she said she got fed up one night and said there's rows of cookies or biscuits in the store end up going to the uh, boys dressing for a while and then come back because <laughs> she just said that like it really like for the British girls is really hard but so many stayed so they they must either they probably don't still hate Reno but it's also changed over the years because oh, to, to leave your homeland and yeah. if it is just a, a dust bowl or nothing there it, it, I don't think they could have made it enough to want to live there I mean even a good husband would make because I remember having an invitation to get married at one point and go I can't live here and Tahoe's not enough, but it's when I went back, I was really surprised of how much Reno has changed. Yes, and it's grown. It's grown hugely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. it was friendships. I think friendships kept us there. Yeah, you know, for all those years, and then now, now you're living here, and now you have a family, and yeah, mm. and the, because there were so many of us that had dance studios, that's when I started seeing all those girls again we would go to dance competitions and we're all going to the same dance competition with all of our students from you know so and we it are is, still we are still friendly with each other that's good because i think that could be competitive but because that's yeah. that's the no, nature of a lot of the studios here they can be super competitive with each other that is the nature of it thank goodness mm. i'm in carson city so i'm okay yeah Don't with any of them but yes it's like it's like reunion every time you're at a, at a competition and the hugs and oh yeah and you said that you were doing industrials and you were actually dancing and choreographing with students at your studio yes so you i told um, me that before we recorded <laughs> that yeah, was interesting so, um 
So I finished the show and, and that was it. I thought there's, you know, bronzing my fishnet tights there. <laughs> I'm done. And then we heard that a show was coming through um, called Sugar Babies. And Sugar Babies oh, yeah. was going to be up at, at Tahoe. And so I had a couple of students who were really interested. And I said, well, I'll go to the audition with you. And they said, well, can you go on stage with us so that um, you could help us if we get stuck? So I said, okay. So of course I got the show and they didn't. And oh. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm teaching in Carson and racing to a show up, up at the lake. So that was, was that Steph, Stephanie Lott was in that show too, right? Oh, she was. Yes. Stephanie I think because I interviewed her, I remember I looked up Sugar Babies after she told me that because I was like, oh, I remember, I remember something about that. Anyway, sorry. It was yeah. like, there's just so many more things after Hello Hollywood, more shows started to open. So if you wanted right. to stay in Reno, you could still yeah. perform. So, so then that was finished. Now I'm for sure hanging up my fishnet tights. And, <laughs> and then we hear about a show called Spellbound coming and, and my girlfriend said, oh, just come, go and do the audition. So I went to the audition and um, I guess everybody lied about their age except for me. So I was 34 at the time and I put 34 down. Well, everybody else was like under 30 on their paper. And I was like, wait, you're, you're, you're two years older than me. They think I'm the old woman of this show, you know? It's okay. <laughs> So, so yes, and, and I still had a show. I mean, I still had a, a dance studio, so I would leave the studio at 6.30. Oh, my gosh, how I didn't get tickets every night for a year and race into Reno and get there. And then we had a warm-up. So we had a 7 o'clock warm-up. So 7 o'clock, I mean, 6.30, I was leaving Carson City, and it, it takes longer than that to get to Reno. And I was on stage from the warm up at seven o'clock. And I remember Troy, gosh, Troy. Stern? Yeah. I no. have not met her. I've been trying to get her an interview. Yeah, Troy Stern. No, see from not, our not groups. Troy Stern. It's not Troy Stern. It's, it's, it's a guy. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, I actually saw him. Did, did you go to the, um, did you go to Adrian's birthday party? No, I saw Today. the pictures. I was like, oh, I wish I could have done that. I just flew in for the day and came back. But he was talking about, he goes, I, he was there. He was talking. He goes, I remember this girl. She had four children. She owned a dance studio in Carson City. And she made it to that um, warm up every night by seven o'clock. And there was other girls that were single with nothing, with wandering late. And I said, oh, that was me. And he said, that was you? <sighs> yes. So it was really, yeah. It was, wow. uh, it Good was, work it was nice. Yeah. So as I always say, I just always hate when we have to end. Um, but I wanted to bring it back just like, because we started with Lauren, just that when she talked about teaching for you and the gift that when she got to teach your daughter, because like when you raise your daughter, you give them and it's hard because you could keep giving her, but sometimes, you know, it may be coming from somebody else can take right. them somewhere. But she just said what a gift it was because she was so beautifully trained. And so when Haley came to the studio, I'd already interviewed Lauren. She goes, this is Gina's daughter. She's here from Carson City. She's been living in New York. And yes. I was like, oh, awesome. And then I was working desk and I walked back there and she was right then doing the video that I posted. She was dancing. And I was like, I was so moved. I mean, I was like, there's times 
everybody and there's wonderful. There's a few times that you just kind of stop breathing and go, there's so much magic, magic happening. Lauren's choreography, Haley, an amazing dancer, and just the feeling of people being so supportive and moved by her. Yes. And I'm on the other side of the door. I wish I could have just walked in and actually been in the presence of that room, but I watched it through the door. And, I, and even through the video, it just moved me. And I said, is this okay if I post this on the Bluebell group so that um, Jean, that Jean, your mom can see this and all the other Bluebells can celebrate like this next generation, their, their moves are different. And, but there's all that, she's got that good solid foundation that came from you and your studio, but what an amazing dancer. Oh. I'm just curious as a mother, your daughter's going to pursue the thing that, that career counselors would say. Do you have a backup plan? You know, is this a smart thing to do? And as a mom, a lot, I've talked to a lot of moms whose daughter's going to dance. How did you, you know, what was that like for you to see her be so talented and want to pursue this? Right. So she is number five. Oh, you have five kids. I have five. Oh, wow. They all danced. Really? They've all danced professionally. But when she came along, by the time she was six years old, I was like, oh, this one's different she's got something she's got something she just something, has yeah. yes this specialness and and not only is she this beautiful dancer but she's this a, a beautiful soul and Lauren has a beautiful soul so to watch those two together was just it was like magic Oh, I just yeah. want to share it with you. I just, oops. Uh oh, something just. I got a, a Facebook group call right in the middle. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking how to how to um, fix feathers, and I got a call. <laughs> I'm sorry, right when because I I'm feeling your your um, emotion there because I just because uh, it, it's a gift to let oh. her go and do this, yeah. and I know that it was a gift to us because all the dancers were like, oh my gosh, and then watching Lauren get to get to share her with the group yeah. it was really yes. beautiful and I wanted to share it with you and I wanted to share it with the bluebells yeah. because there's but things that are just like so special and there was some somebody else commented it wasn't you that maybe it was Kia that said that she's a beautiful dancer and a beautiful soul yeah she's that and their comments I just said that's some instead like well look at her technique or look at that it's like because she had a lot of that was improv and that was her own everything and then with Lauren's choreography together it was just like Magic is happening and I'm witnessing it at this moment. She's she's stunning. She's a stunning dancer. She's got this beauty. She's smart. She's so, yeah. And she is this fantastic choreographer. She's really, oh yeah. She's got this. I, I remember she was seven and it was choreographing something. And she said, mom, I don't think we should do that. I think we need to do this. And I, you know, I'm a dancer. <laughs> right. But you know what? One day when you're old enough, you can do your own choreography and then you'll never have to argue with me again about what <laughs> you do. And so, yes, it, it happened, it came full circle. But yeah, I remember it was maybe just this year or the last year, she actually asked me into the studio, can you come in while Sonso's I'm doing a private lesson with them. I want your influence and I want you to say what you feel. And I, oh, I, what, I finally know what I'm talking about. 
because for years I had no I was just the mom you know right mom you don't know mom yeah no I own the studio but no I don't know anything right as a dance for how long professionally yeah but oh yeah yeah it's full circle and to have Lauren teach for you and teach for me and 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 that it randomly happened Right. She randomly walked into my studio. And she randomly and walked into mine. She just drove by yeah. like, oh, I've heard about this place. And yeah. I just yeah. randomly happened to be there at a time I would never be there. And right. went, who, who is she? Does, does Haley know about your Bluebell days or does she care? Because I think like it takes, do you get a certain age that you kind of are even curious that your mother was anything more than just your mother? Um, well, she knew I danced, but I, I don't think, I don't know if there was a lot of interest. I actually listened to your podcast with Lauren. I'm sorry, we're still going on here, but I, you said to her, what is a bluebell? And there isn't a wrong answer. Like it's what you think, what do you think? Because, you know, and my son who, who was doing cruise ships, I said, well, this is a really good question. What do you think is a bluebell? And he said, well, what you did. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Cause I think my son knows I dance, but I don't know if he has much interest. My daughter, she just always loved my story. So I have like weird, crazy stories that we have, like right. living in Puerto Rico, some of the insane things. And so she just always, when she's little, like, she's like, Tony, you should write a book, this story and this story because she edits the podcast. And so I know that she's heard more of my story. She's seen, I showed her a video of hello. My cat's pulling on the headphones right now. Sorry. (laughs) I have a, there's a video of hello, Hollywood. Hello. And so it was really great. And so like, Oh, if my kids found out I was topless or whatever, like they don't care. And my daughter is like, she has this appreciation for it. Where now I think it's more interesting now that she's almost 30 than, you know, when you're, you're an upcoming dancer, like what your mom did doesn't relate. That's a totally different generation. It's a different right. world, but there's a lot to be gleaned from what we learned on those stages. What we learned as far as work ethic, training, rehearsals, there's so much that I think the Bluebell that a lot of people talk about, they were respected because of how professional, how they presented themselves, right. which I think is kind of a lost art. I see dancers that show up late or etiquette or like, there's so much that's missing. Yes. Well, when I auditioned for the Moulin Rouge, my first audition was a ballet audition. Like that was what we did then. The very first thing you auditioned was with your ballet. And then if you got through your ballet audition, you get to do the audition for the show. And and that was because while I was in Reno, I would go to all these auditions. I wasn't going to leave the show, but I just wanted to make sure that I was still I could, if I wanted, I could go and do something else. Yeah. So I went to every audition that came through, which was great. And I actually never, I always got the audition, whatever I went for. Mm-hmm. But I just think I had the right look. I had good enough training and I had the look. And I, you know, I mean, you're either blessed with that or you're not, you know? Right. You can't take credit so, for how, how your features no. came out. So your legs were long enough for how tall. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, yeah. Um, she's asked, they've all asked me questions about, but the others were around. My youngest went backstage in Hello, Hollywood, Hello. She's, she just turned 39. So, oh, wow. 
Yeah, I was 24 when I had her. So she was this baby backstage. They put makeup on her. They put the crowns on her. She went, sat in, in the audience and watched the show. So. Oh my God. I remember the name, like it was Donna Howe with Loretta. Yeah. They sent me a picture of a baby elephant and the birthday party where the kids were riding an elephant. Like the things that kids were exposed to from being in the show, like you go backstage and you're wearing crowns and I don't know what animals were still even around that. I think the horses were already gone by, by the, the time your daughter, but I remember when we, when I came in, there's nine white horses, the lion was gone, but I think at some point, you know, there was other animals that had come and gone into the show, but for kids to just be like, Oh, there's a, there's a lion. <laughs> just <terrible. Right. laughs> was The lion was gone when you came in. Yeah. They had taken him out because I'd heard the stories like, why it smelled a little funny was how yeah. he would turn and spray like Jerry Tasson got sprayed. I think at least yeah. once the yeah. Leo. So he wasn't there. Cause I would have loved to have seen the lion, but I, I came in like the first contract change. So it was like a year, I think. Okay, and wow. there was no lion, but the horses were my thing. I would just go down there right before I'd load up for finale and go pet, say hi to every horse before I'd so, get on the calliope. So were you there when the horse fell in the trough? Yes. And I, this is what's confusing is like, I've heard this story so many times, like, was I there or do I think I was there? Cause I've heard this story. Cause I was there when Ted uh, fell into the trap within top hat and his top hat. I was on that number, but I remember was in the show, but I didn't see it. Cause I wasn't on stage at that time, but the horse, I was in the show. Yeah. Cause I just remember there was people crying. I, I'm almost sure, but sometimes I'm so confused of hearing these people stories. So many times. It was like yeah. the people in the audience were saying, stop the show, stop the show. And no, they just carried on. Yeah. The show yeah. must go on. Cause I go, what happened to the horse? I think they had to like lift it out and take it out. They, through did. The they couldn't do anything until the show was finished. And then they got a crane and they put the, the something around its belly and hoisted it. Lifted it. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> running on that passerelle. So for the finale, Oh yeah, that's the thing that opens up. That's the trap. Yeah. So the so the bluebells were past center, like the first one on was past center. So you had to run from halfway to stage left, all the way across the pair, and then cross the stage down the stairs and run to your spot. And it was like if you hit the bridge at the right time, it bounced you, and it was like woo woo. woo. <laughs> But if you hit the bridge at the wrong time, it came down. It came up while you were going down. And it felt like you were walking in sand. You couldn't get going. Oh, my gosh. It was the weirdest thing. The and, and who knows? I mean, you, you couldn't gauge it so that you could hit it right. You either, it, you either did or you didn't. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is a weird question to end with. Yes. If you, if you could take Haley to have one experience that you had in those days, so she could like, she's going to go on to like the more contemporary world or maybe Broadway or whatever these people, this age group has available. If you okay. could just take her on stage to experience one thing or backstage, what, what would it be that you think would help her moving into what dance could be for her? Oh, she's got great work ethics. Uh. I, force, I force those on her. You know what? I think to watch a show like that from backstage to uh, watch it to watch it happen because it's magic yeah. it's a whole different show that you see backstage than what you see from the audience so I think it would be to sit and watch that two-hour show and and 
and the jigsaw puzzle that went into it would, I think, be absolutely amazing for anyone. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to watch that and 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 realize you're just a small cog in that wheel. Mm. You know that all. That I think the appreciation for all those stagehands, all yeah. that. Yes. And you married one. So yeah, I know like a lot of times we were so busy, we didn't see it. And so when you had more time in the wings, you'd watch what was going on. We only got the tiniest fraction of what was really going on up above in the fly rail, down in the basement and the button booth and the light booth and the sound and the orchestra. There's just so many things. So that'd be, that would be amazing. I want like for her to take that into whatever she does of an appreciation for what makes the magic besides the dancers too. Right. 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 And I think, I think she's understood that just growing up with me being her mom and, and, and maybe owning a dance studio and seeing what goes on just even in performances. Well, plus I choreograph for the college. So we've got a big musical theater program with our college and we put on shows. We put on twice a year, May and, and November. And she grew up doing those. So, I mean, she was two in her first show. And um, they, the, the director at the time said, oh yeah, put her in. I said, put her in? She's two, what is she gonna do? He said, oh, have her be the flower girl. We were doing Kiss Me Kate, it was a wedding. And so she walked at the beginning of the wedding and she dropped flowers on the stage. The whole audience cheered and she stopped and she looked at the audience and she was like, this is it. <laughs> She found her home. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Going, keep going. Anyways, but she did. I gosh, maybe she's meant to be on stage. <laughs> Twenty musicals with the, with the company from being two through graduating and leaving. Wow. So, I mean, so she saw that as well as dance studio stuff. She saw yeah. putting on a production. That's the best training. Like you've taught her more than just dance. Like she's, she's a well-rounded. And then just, again, that, that she's got that magic within that nice, strong structure. There's still so much freedom. I'm just watching right. her move, oh, which is yes. beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And she's also, she wants to do, she wants to life coach. She's looking at her mentor who is Lauren and saying, mm-hmm. there's so much need for this. Yes. Oh, yeah, we have yeah. so much need for this. And, and especially going through what we've been going through the last two years. You know, I mean, you know that that yeah. suddenly yeah. it suddenly stopped every one of us from teaching, from doing what we could do. And then within a week, I was teaching Zoom classes. Yeah, and I know I, their Zoom was a thing and then we had to figure it out. And- right. And so I was <sighs> off for one week and then I was in the studio. I was purchasing TVs and purchasing um, computers for every studio so that we could all be at the studio teaching from the studio in different rooms, you know, and that was before masks or anything. Yeah. And then we got, we got back into the studio June of 2020. So we've been back in since then. Last winter was pretty bad. It was like, okay, you're 50% capacity. Now you're at oh yeah, yeah. 5% capacity. Now you're at 25% capacity. I did the schedule. I can't tell you how many times in one six month period I changed the schedule because now I had to teach two of that class because there was 12 kids and I could only have six in the room and then spots on the floor for six foot space. And then 
hand sanitizers and I mean, what just, and the fact that those children keep dancing. That, okay, that also I'm resonating because I'm now remembering how bizarre and scary and almost hopeless it felt. Like, how do we keep doing this? And again, I think it goes back to like learning how to pivot, learning how to adjust, learning that there's a bigger picture, not just like, what about me? That there's a bigger company. I, we had a virtual dance day, which I started the very first um, Saturday, thinking we, were, we thought this was only going to be a few weeks. And each teacher would go live, we did on Facebook. And so the people that were with us, basically a year and a half, some people came and went, Lauren was on there a lot. And so you would refresh your page and you'd be in Lauren's beautiful loft of her room. And then you'd go to another teacher's and you got to know, oh, that's what Thomas's bedroom looks like. He's teaching ballet on his dresser in his socks. But it was interesting to watch like the warmth of these teachers that we have that would look at the camera and like, how are you guys doing? This is hard. Let's move. And people would be, some people said they didn't even dance. They just wanted to know, I know these teachers I feel comforted even if I'm eating a bowl of cereal while they're doing ballet and I'm not even joining in, they would still show up to feel like I feel connected. Yes. And Lauren would just bring all this stuff up and she'd get right in the camera and like, I love you guys. And I'd hear, I think all of us said it by then we were saying, I love you. And I go, you know what? I I don't think you understand what impact this is making. These people who are home scared. I can't dance. I don't have my community. My teacher cares about me. My studio is still happening. So when this is over, I have a place to come back to. And right. I'm understanding right. two years later, more of what that thing of to keep going. Yes. Because this, as a studio owner, it was awful and oh, it was wonderful yeah. and it was hard. And there's people that were like, I can't tell you how this helped me get through this time. Yes. And so I want to honor you in that because again, just seeing like what's come out of your student, knowing Lauren, knowing, seeing your daughter and just talking to you, like there's such beauty and being a performer, but there's such beauty in owning a studio and being a teacher and like preparing this generation. Like we don't know what's coming oh, in the no. midst of it. Let's find each other. Let's move together. Even if you're laying on your floor, crying, <laughs> barely right. moving, right. we have, we know what it's like to connect through movement. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, oh. it was beautiful. This was at the end of every class. Oh, the heart. Like if you look yeah. at the heart thing in the hand. Yeah. And I think, yeah. It mattered more than I think we knew, especially if you've got teenagers that are already, it's enough struggle to be a teenager and to know like, okay, something feels solid that I know these people care about me. It's not just a money-making business. So, cause that's a lot of stuff when you see big corporations doing great and little businesses falling on the wayside, like, okay, this obviously isn't for the money. This is because we love this community. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (sighs) Yeah. It, it's special. It was we've gone through something that is connected to so many people because we all went through this together. Yeah. And that's why and I think these interviews is like all over the world. I talked to bluebells everywhere. Yeah. Like how yeah. is it where you are? And like, okay, this is not just America. This isn't just Reno or Seattle. It's everybody has had to, you know, have a sit down and like what, what's important to me now. Right. Well, I have, a girlfriend that was in my dance studio growing up who has a dance studio in England and, and to watch what it's, what she's been going through, you know, and she was shut down way more. And I think Seattle. Yeah. We were uh, pretty strict up here. Yeah. 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 And, then, and then other places that did the, 
did you not have a pandemic? Because right, <laughs> they have an alternate reality. Like it's like okay, yeah. this is all we see people dancing with no mask and full classes, and like we're trying to do this a certain way, and then that was that was hard. Yeah. Well, I did my my sugar uh, road trip last June. I want to do another one, and now that I know more of you, I I would love to make a stop in Carson City and just meet you in person. Oh, that would maybe be wonderful. see if we remember even eight counts of choreography since you did it 11 years maybe you can refresh my mind my memory i remember the first few and then first. i did i did top hat but all the the ones that are deep in my core are the, are the bluebell numbers because that was months and months and months of rehearsals so, oh yeah that's yeah, people I, that learned it from the top is way different than learning it in two weeks and being thrown into it like Right. I just loved your story. I loved hearing your like being from the beginning of it and owning a studio and raising kids. Like everybody's story is so unique. Even if all those details would seem the same, it's also different. But we have so much in common of just like the love of what that did for our life. Well, and, and another real quick little thing. Um, so I, I divorced my, you know, my first husband, who I had four children with. I'm never going to get married again. I'm never doing this again. Now I'm doing some industrials and, and I've got babysitters who are my students babysitting my children while I go to rehearsals. <laughs> um, I met my husband at a coffee shop five years later and um, he actually came. We were going to go, we we're going on vacation and he came to meet me at an industrial. So Karen said, come on backstage. So he comes backstage where everyone, I mean, you're, you're in a kitchen area, you know, because you're at an industrial, so you don't have dressing rooms and you're dressing in the hallway and everyone's naked. And he's like, <laughs> jackpot. <laughs> where am I? Who is this woman I'm dating? So yeah, she, he knew I had a dance studio, but I was doing a couple of industrials as well. So yeah. I wanted to link that because we are going to have to end here because it's, yeah. I, like, I have like more questions, but I have to save it. So you were work doing Karen Burns industrial. So you were getting to wear these costumes and do industrials with Karen Burns. And I was wearing all my costumes. Oh my gosh. In the yes. Yeah. Talk about full circle. And I was dancing with some of my students because Karen needed students who had good training. And, and luckily I had students who were, you know, 16 to 18, you could put makeup on and they can look like an adult and they couldn't go and hang out afterwards. But so, yes, I would take my own students with me to do the shows and dance alongside somebody who was 20 years my junior. So, that yeah. is beautiful in so many ways. Yeah. Your dancers got to see what that was like, see the costumes, see you in that element, because I think sometimes they don't know, like, like why, why you teach the way or who you are. Like, this is, right. who, this is what brought you life. That's yeah. amazing. We'll just end there because I know like I went on the road trip and I got to see those costumes and wear a few and I was transported right back yeah. to what it felt like as a, to be what that felt like on stage. Very Gina, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I kept telling Lauren, I'm going to keep pursuing her. I really, really want to yeah. hear your story. Cause I just like the fact that her and I had that overlap, but we just, we're just making a big braid, all of us right. connecting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will hopefully I'm going to make a trip down to Reno now because we know Tahoe is also an option. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, thank, thank you for doing this and send me any photos that we can share. And that's always the fun part is like getting to reminisce of 
what it looked like reminisce reminisce <laughs> of backstage on stage parties uh, pyramid lake you brought back a really good memory for me there <laughs> <laughs> well good thank you for inviting me thank Appreciate you it. just keep doing the good work will do